Here we go. You ready? Yes. Okay. Welcome to I Know the Owner, a podcast where bar people talk bar stuff. I'm Charlene Wellington, and I'm here with my guest, my friend, my business partner, Matthew Kuhn. Um, hi, Matt. Hi, Charlene. How hi, are? friend, <laughs> How friend are you and partner. Today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. This is yeah. exciting. This, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this. This is exciting. This is the second time I've done something like this. So You haven't been on podcasts before? Yeah, I guess I've been on podcasts. I've been on um, The Flop House, my husband's podcast. Exactly. I would expect you to be. And, uh, yeah, and I've been a guest on uh, one or two others. Cool. Um, yeah. We're here at Hinterland's Bar, a bar that we own together. Yes. The bar is open for business. We've got Kate and Jamie bartending, and anything can happen. People are coming in, they're walking out. Or, uh, That's right. It's exciting. We're putting ourselves in the real live situation. We're not, yes. we're not in a closet we're somewhere. Not, we're, we're not in a closet like where my husband usually records a podcast. Yeah. We're out in the open. <laughs> exactly. Anyone can see us. My girlfriend thinks I've been in the closet for... No, but I, well, that's a different... We might want to edit that out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so... Besides um, Hinterlands, you are also co-owner of Freddy's Bar in Park I am. Slope. I am. Tell yeah. me about Freddy's. The magical, mystical Freddy's. Um, Freddy's, I started working at the old Freddy's. Freddy's was a famous joint uh, in a different part of Brooklyn mm-hmm. uh, for many, many, many years. It was owned by a, a desk sergeant uh, from the 78th Precinct for, oh, 30 years or so. And then he sold it to an old hippie. This guy named Frank, who was a bar owner in Manhattan in the 70s, and as he was getting older, he wanted a piece of something that he could kind of relax in and kind of run itself. Was there a Freddy? There was. His name was Fred Chatterton, was the desk sergeant. Oh, got it, got it. 78th Precinct. So the place was called Chatterton's Bar and Grill. Um, And and then then it morphed somehow into Freddy's. Mm -hmm. And when my old boss, Frank, the old Mm -hmm. hippie, uh, took it over. He got it for dirt cheap. It, it was kind of a period in New York and Brooklyn where, where the economy wasn't wasn't doing so well, and the bar business hadn't exploded yet like it like it did uh, years years later. Um, he got it for dirt cheap and opened it, and um, it became a legendary place. Um, uh, the manager and, and a few of the uh, uh, of the diehard employees started a music scene in the back, so there there became this art scene. Uh, Art shows, uh, a lot of bands, uh, trivia, all sorts of stuff happening that didn't happen before because... I remember when I first moved to the neighborhood, they had a diorama, like, making day, and you could go in there and make dioramas in the back room. Yep. And there was pumpkin carvings around Halloween, and there was, um, yeah, all sorts of stuff. We had, um, we actually had a chapter of the Paper, Scissors, Stone Championships happen at, at Wait, Freddy's. Rock, paper, scissors? Rock, paper, scissors. Championships. I don't know. Yeah, is it rock, paper, scissors, paper, I, scissors, stone? I don't anyway. know. Maybe where you're from, it's paper, scissors, stone. Yeah, they had. They had <laughs> I don't know. They had a championship there. I remember coming into work. I didn't know anything about it. And, and, and people were warming up outside, having cigarettes. Wait, inside. how do you warm up? I have no idea. I guess you get you, you make sure your hands are loose. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know. You try to look into into your opponents or your potential opponents' eyes. Is there a skill? Engage like what their tell is. You know, in poker you have a tell. Yeah. You know, so maybe you try to find out. Is there a guy that wins just because he's always rock? <laughs> yeah, probably. But <laughs> once that got out, I mean, he's not going to win. I for don't much know. Longer, you know? Every, then you think like this is the one time he's not going to be rock, and then he's rock again, and you're like, ah, he did it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Psych me out. So stuff like that would happen. Anyway, I loved it. I, I loved working there. I was I was brought on in about 2001. Okay. I was brought on right before 9-11. Mm. Um, I had been going there as a customer for a couple of years, since about 98. And uh, I worked there for until we had to close due to the Barclays Center Arena coming in and the big eminent domain uh, it was a huge battle, not just I with the bar. That. Yeah, yeah, but but residents and other businesses, and we fought them. We knew we'd eventually lose, probably because mm-hmm. they have all the money and the power. I don't but, know if you noticed, but Kate brought you another beer. 
Thank you, Kate. People chain themselves to the bar. There, there was a lot of protesting going on there. It For was those great. of you, that was Kate asking. <laughs> so anyway, I guess long story short, I loved working there, and my mother had passed away in 2002. I'm sorry to hear that. Thank you. She was a good lady, and all she had to leave myself and her other three sons was the house that she got in a big contentious and terrible divorce she had with my, my father. Um, so the sons, uh, my brothers and I, decided that we didn't want the house. Uh, nobody was going to live in it, so we sold it. So long story short, I put the money, my end of the money I got from her house, in the bank and tried to forget about it and just kept on mm -hmm. bartending and living off of what I was making. Bartending, wages. Smart. And when the Barclays thing happened and it finally went down and the bar had to close... Uh, I was able to slide into a position, a position of um, owning, of being part owner of it. So I had the money ready, and uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do. You know, I was thinking about it. You know, I'm a college dropout. I spent about nine minutes in school, and, and I've been in the restaurant business my whole life since I was about 15. What was your first uh, bar job, restaurant job? My first restaurant job was washing dishes. Oh, and you really started from the beginning. Yeah, I guess as everybody now, does. Now, was that because you didn't bring enough money to pay the check? Uh, <laughs> no, no, but I've used that line on, uh, on bar customers or restaurant customers. I, I always would get offended when I was waitressing and someone was like, oh, we're going to have to wash dishes. And I was like, you think we're going to fire our union dishwasher because you forgot to bring enough fucking money to pay your bill? How dare you, sir? How dare you? He's got a family. <laughs> people See, people don't know that. People they don't, don't know, know that. that. <laughs> um, so you were a dishwasher so where? I, a dishwasher, I was a dishwasher at the York Steakhouse. How old were you? 15. Okay. York Steakhouse was a chain owned by, I think, General Foods or General Mills. It was like oh, wow. kind of like a, it was like you grab a tray and it's a cafeteria style. You go down the line and you... Oh, like you, Sizzler? Yep, like okay. Sizzler. Ponderosa? Yep. Got you pick it. your, you pick your, you, you order your steak, how you want it done. You pick your jello or your side salad <laughs> your or your, or your you know, baked potato or something. Anyway, so I worked there and then I bust tables. Oh, and the steak has the different colored toothpicks in it. Yes. Yes. Or a triangle. It was a plastic triangle. With okay. A, with a... So I worked there for, um, oh, a couple of years. I went into busing tables. Mm -hmm. And then I quickly, I went into cooking. And I was a cook for seven years in a variety of places. Mm -hmm. um, from pizzerias and sub shops to, uh, you know, surf and turf kind of fancy places. Um, I did a little line, line cooking, um, prep. All that stuff. And I did that for seven, eight years. And while I was cooking, I was given the chance to bar back at the Chart House restaurant. The Chart House okay. used to be, I, I think there's still a few left, but it used to be a huge Another chain. chain. A huge chain of kind of upscale surf and turf. They were always on beautiful water, either waterways, either on rivers or, or uh, on harbors. Um, Is that like and, um, where your parents would take you for your graduation? No, it was kind of new when I got the job. Okay. Before that, it was it was in my town. It was it was an old, towny kind of place called Hugo's. But, okay. Um, anyway, I um, you know that's kind of the way that I've heard most people that I know in the business kind of got into it. You're kind of given a chance to bar back and kind of work around the bar, and then after mm -hmm. a while, they give you a chance to see what you got, and they throw you up there. Um, that's why I always thought I, I, I hate to uh, I hate to demoralize anybody out there who who takes bartending classes. <laughs> or, I, don't, I don't know if you were, were going to touch on that later. We did but, a whole story uh, last yeah. week about how I went to one of those bartending schools where they they give you the colored water. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just in my experience. I don't want listen. I'm sure there are restaurant chains that might not have a problem seeing that, but in my experience. Working in like a, your, your old school you Brooklyn bar, whole... nobody wants to hire you. No. Uh, with the bartending school degree, you, you, you I really. I don't it's... think I ever told anybody until last week that I went to bartending school. Like it was my deep dark secret. <laughs> I think you've earned enough credit. Where yeah, you could, by you now I let can... that out. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, 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 and I hate saying that because I have a friend who actually runs a bartending school. 
Uh, I have a she... friend that worked in that bartending school. Oh, okay. Is it the same one? Yeah, yeah. Okay, we won't name it, but yeah. we're, we're winking at each other. We, yeah. We both know, we are, we're we both, we, we both know we, the same we, people. I sent Stuart there. <laughs> and she's always looking. It's funny. She is always looking for bartenders that I know and my friends know to come in and be instructors mm-hmm. for the classes. But um, I don't in think my I experience, I mean, I've, I've been around managers and owners who have just thrown, I hate to say this again, bartender school grads, but have just thrown the piece of paper in the garbage. They want to see experience. And yeah. I know it's a vicious circle because you can't get experience mm-hmm. unless somebody allows you to have mm-hmm. experience. And, you know, it goes round and round. Until, so you kind of have to get that break. I so that's what a, I got. I think a lot of people are under the misconception that bartending is knowing all the drinks. Mm. And in my opinion, that's like not even 5% of bartending. Maybe it's 5% of bartending is knowing how to make the drinks. And the other 95% of bartending is people. Yes. It's how to deal with people. It's personality. So, personality, personality. Yeah. You can be you can be not the fastest bartender, uh, and with your personality, that'll buy you five minutes. It'll buy you ten minutes. It'll buy you understanding from people that just like you. You really do have to be a people person, and also know, have to know how to juggle personalities and and be the be the uh, you know the therapist. You the, the, you're, therapist you're the therapist, the bouncer, the doctor. Yeah. it's the not lawyer. for everyone. It um, is not for everybody, and it's not as um, it's not as it's also not as glorious as maybe the movies make it out to be, and and maybe if you're not a bartender, maybe you're thinking it is. Uh, it can be a lot of fun and very rewarding, and and that's basically the reason why I've stayed in it all these years. Um, that also, and the fact that I spent nine minutes in college and <laughs> never got a degree towards anything else, so I'm stuck. Um, I, I do love the I love the profession. And did your folks drag you to a bar when you were a kid? Did like my dad used to drag me to a bar when no. I was a kid? Oh. My, neither, neither one of my parents were drinkers. I mean, they would drink, mm-hmm. but they weren't they weren't bar they, they weren't bar people. They uh, my dad would be like a glass of wine at dinner and a, and a beer at a barbecue. My mother wasn't a big drinker. Yeah, I'm the drinker in the family. I uh, I, I carry that flag. Uh, I have three brothers, and they all partake. But I'm the uh, kind of the family joke is I'm I'm the one who got the uh, the drinking <laughs> the drinking <laughs> gene bug whatever you want to call it. Um, so so yeah no I don't come from drinkers. There are now there are alcoholics in my family. Sure. But not in my immediate family. My I think my father one time told me when he saw that I was I was you know quite the night person the night the night owl the mm-hmm. a bar fly if you will he uh, he took me aside one time and he said be careful. Be careful, you know, Uncle So-and-so or Aunt So-and-so had a problem. And, you know, <laughs> he thought that uh, it was in my blood, so I should, I should be careful. My, um, my dad quit drinking, um, like, just before I started. So we never, like, had a drink together. Um, but he was a big drinker? But he, I don't know if he was, he, he had a lot of booze in the house. Yeah. Um, and he had these black cats. Mm-hmm on his rear view mirror that he got off this wine bottle, this like black cat wine bottle. And <laughs> he's drinking the, the good stuff. The, his rear he had this uh Datsun 280SX that he drove around and there was like a pink panther like uh hanging from the mirror, like the little like a like a gumby kind of thing. It was a pink panther. Cool. And there were all of these little plastic black cats hanging off the arms. And so those came from this black cat wine that I'm assuming he drank, or maybe his friend drank it and he just collected it. I don't know, um, because I can't picture my dad as a drinker. I've met your dad, but I but only I've only known your dad the last you know five yeah. six years. I can't picture him a drinker either. But you know who knows who knows where life. A, <laughs> it's a bold move to have like the top of a wine bottle hanging off your rearview mirrors. Like, that's the 70s and 80s. Yeah. You couldn't get away with that now. It kind of, like, uh, yeah, like sir, like have you been drinking? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I see uh, there's like 30, 35 wine bottle tops hanging from your mirror. No, no, it's just just cats. Yeah, exactly. I think that was back in the days where they just, um, if you got pulled over drunk, they just, you know, They'd be like, follow you home. Yeah, they like, uh, like know. let you drive home, but they yeah. follow you. It's funny. My <laughs> upbringing. I grew up in a small town, and it was a big drinking town. And you know, there were pros from that. It was a lot of fun. We had some mm-hmm. fun time, but there was also some terrible times too. Because I grew up in a very small town, and a handful of 
high school kids died in, in car crashes, drinking and driving and just doing stupid shit. Yeah, that just wasn't a thing growing up in New York. We just yeah, exactly. Like, took the, we took the train, we took a cab. Like, nobody even what's had that, cars. What's that Wanda Sykes joke that I love? She, she said, uh, you know, the, like, the bartender shouldn't, like, you don't have to be asked if you've ever had too much to drink as long as you can raise your finger to, like, yeah, hail, to hail exactly, the cab. Like, exactly. can I still do this? Yep. You're good. And I'm okay. You're good. I'm good. Yeah, you're exactly. good. Uh, but, <laughs> but in my small town in suburbia, you, you drove everywhere. Yeah. And you were the designated, you weren't the designated driver, you were the designated drunk driver. Yes. And that's sorry to say and sad Is to say. Is that like but, the drunkest guy? Well, that was the, the guy who seemed to be the best guy to drive when he was drunk. Okay. Yeah. You know, he could yeah. still. But yeah, we did it all the time. Crazy. So I kind of grew up in that, in that culture of drinking. I forget what started this whole conversation, but. Oh, I think it started with, line. hey, you want to be on my podcast? That's right. <laughs> but we don't want to go back. We don't want to go back. <laughs> We're too was, far in. Was uh, bar ownership everything you ever dreamed it would be? <laughs> well. I say that with a wry smile. I, th- I think, and yeah, I think anybody <laughs> out there, at, of course, understands that before March 17th, when the lockdown came from this great world plague we're in the mm-hmm. middle of, uh, I really liked my life. Mm-hmm. Bar, uh, bar owning can be challenging, but I, but I, I liked it. It was it was you know times were normal and and the bar scene in New York City was normal, um, and you know I had my schedule down to you know the days that I had to be on, and then the rest was off. Yeah. And money was coming in, and the income was great. So so before the plague, before um, the plague. I, I I couldn't complain too much. I I, I kind of could pat myself on the back and tell myself that I built something for myself. Mm-hmm. That works, and and that people seem to enjoy, um, and you know the family family was proud of me, and all that, and everything was working. Uh, and the family is no longer proud of you. They're, no, they, <laughs> they don't speak to me. <laughs> they don't like, speak to me. The plague is my done? fault somehow. <laughs> but I mean, right now, obviously, right now, it's really tough for all of us. You could speak volumes to that, uh, Charlene, and any bar owner, a manager, or a bartender, or bar customer, but the people that just like going to bars. Yeah, it's... they want to be safe, but. I did not anticipate that a crisis would happen that people would not be able to gather in the bar to deal with. Um, And it it drives me crazy. Yeah, I really thought that no matter what happens, feast or famine, good times, bad times, people are going to need to go to their local bar Mm -hmm. and, you know, the community that we built and the, the fact that they can't is, like, blowing my mind. That's right, and it's so it's such a different kind of thing. This this unseen, you know, virus that's out there. Because you know, you're right. In good times and bad times, if you have a good bar, a good neighborhood bar, mm-hmm. people are gonna you're gonna make money, you know, regardless. Yeah, and uh, if times get lean, you you make a recession special. And if yeah, you know, times are good. Times are good. But I remember feeling guilty. Freddie's Freddie's had their best week the week of Hurricane Sandy. Yeah. Charlene's when people were too. just people Charlene's were just yeah, too. people and, were just blown out of their houses and yeah. and and just displaced, and they wanted to go somewhere warm and dry and have a, a, a plate of food, and we felt so guilty that we, we had to. We gave I think we gave yeah, 10, 15 percent of that week's sales to whatever recovery efforts yeah. there were at Garrett's at Beach and same. It was know, the best week. Yeah, it was Coney the best Island. week we had yeah. to date. <clears throat> but um, so yeah, just an example of of in good times and in bad, people are always going to drink. And now they're drinking at home. We're missing out on all those drinkers. I I saw a report the other day that said, like, uh, specific alcohol sales were up, you know, like 60%. And I'm like, "Mm, we're missing it all. Yes, exactly. We should be selling it to you at 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 an upcharge. Yeah, come on. (laughs) Retail. (laughs) Um, We'll get there. But, I mean, I guess to go back, yeah, to go back to your original question, I, I... I did love it. I still do love it, but it's very, very difficult, and we just have to pray for things to get back. Yeah, you know, get that yep. vaccine and wear your, wear your masks, social, socially distant, <clears throat> all exactly. that stuff. Do all the things you're supposed to do. Um, and you're in the process of opening a new place. You want to talk about that? I am. We very stupidly signed a lease. <laughs> <laughs> we signed a lease. My my longtime partner Adrian, who's a bartender herself. Uh, and a, a damn fine bartender. She's she's worked in some of the busiest 
joints that New York's ever seen, like the Village Idiot and uh, the Spring Lounge down in Little Italy. And uh, now she works at a, at a small uh, bar owned by owners that own a large amount of bars, but a, a bar called Mission Dolores in Brooklyn. Anyway, uh, she and I decided to, 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 to take a stab at getting her into a place that she could run. And we started the plan about three years ago, and it took a long time to find the right place. And, it, and then I had to score up uh, another investor. And my, my good friend and partner from Freddy's, Matt, Matt Kinnett, he stepped up and, uh, because he wanted the same thing. He, he wanted to, to keep expanding um, and, and, you know, just build a small little, a little bar empire. Uh, but long story short, we signed the lease last September before any of us knew that COVID was coming around. And because of COVID, it's been a long, slow, slow kind of crawl. Is that September 2019? Or? September 2019, we signed the lease. Wow. And because of COVID, you know, because we were planning on having our, our regular incomes coming from the other bars. Ah, uh, yes. That we could scoot over to the new place, you know, this kind of mm -hmm. shell game. But um, no more money was coming in from the other bars. So everything kind of slowed. We're kind of working off of savings now. And we're living off of unemployment. Because, um, I'm sh you know, Charlene, you can tell the folks uh, we're, you know, the owners aren't <laughs> making any money. The owners are not making any money. The bartenders are making money, and they should, because they're showing up, and they're working their shifts, and they're yes. keeping the lights on. Yes. And they're making good money. But at the end of the week or the month, after paying rent and utilities and all the bills, all the wonderful bills that go into running a bar, there's nothing left. You need that extra booster, that extra business that you normally would have gotten to pay yourself. So that's the scene right now, so. It's pretty bleak. Yeah, this Just is the most on. I've ever physically worked since, <clears throat> since I would say like the second year of owning a bar. Because the first, the first two years I worked, I worked a lot of shifts, and then you know you drop a shift here, you drop a shift there. I opened yeah. another bar, and I was down to one to two shifts a week, and then every two weeks they changed the rules on us, and yep. now I'm like a line cook. Yeah, and. We have to figure out how to uh, make and sell food. You told me. You told me how much you hate waitering in your own place. Oh and you my goodness! <laughs> One day I'll the tell injustice. stories about about how many years I waited on tables and how much I hated it. And when we first reopened after the pandemic, um, the rule was table service only, and we felt like the bartenders aren't going to make any money if we put two on because this is a one-man show. So Stuart and I were basically the waiters. So every yeah. single shift, one of us would be here beginning to end. The bartender would be behind the bar, and me or Stuart would be taking the order and bringing the drinks. And having a stranger in my own bar, like, pick their hand up and say, um, excuse me, miss, to me, <laughs> I just... <laughs> Yeah, I, my I blood is going cold even remembering it. Yeah. Um, so we we managed to restructure since, so we don't have to really do that so much. Um, but now we have to close at ten o'clock, so that's that's kind of infuriating. We got busy yesterday um, around eight thirty, and then an hour and a half later, we had to tell everybody to leave. So that yeah. was fun. Yeah, I mean our. Everybody's bar staff now has to be waiters too, and it's like, and that sucks. You know, everybody's used to one groove. You got into bartending specifically, and not waiting tables for a reason. Uh, and now we all have to adapt. And when the owners have to adapt, that stinks because we should be getting drunk at our own bars, <laughs> smoking cigars, and sexually <laughs> harassing our staff uh, instead of having to um, deliver food. Alex, to you may want to edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, <laughs> Just yeah, kidding, it's guys. Been, it's, been, uh, <laughs> it's been an adventure. Um, we just have to hang in. Uh, this winter is going to be bleak. We're going to see friends' bars close and friends' restaurants close. And we, already we have, have seen, yeah. And it's um, going to get worse. And I also I feel bad for the people that come in alone that used to sit at the bar and we would chat. And we mm. like them. And they like us. And they feel like family. And now they come in and we're like, sure, let me escort you to your table by yourself. Where you yeah. sit by yourself. Yep. And, uh, you know... Nobody talks to you. Well, so. the adapting that you and Stuart have done, this is the, <laughs> the ass-kissing part of the, the, the program. Um, 
Uh, I just I just bow down to both of you because because not only I mean I have only, a question, but go on, go on, go on. Not only <laughs> keep it coming. No, but not only have you had to wait tables and both just stepped up to do it, and you also you also reimagined our menu, and kind of yeah, uh, you know I did. you reconfigured the food options because I did. if you're going to have people come in, <clears throat> because not only because of state. And city law is about food with drink, but also you want people to stay and have a reason to come out, you know, and so yeah. you, you revamp Especially the menu when and, it gets it's, cold. and it's yummy. And then Stuart with the shirt and hoodie sales. I mean, <laughs> that's amazing. But reaching out to friends of the bar and friends of, of you know, his podcast and, and just people who want us to stick around and survive. Yeah. And selling that many T-shirts and hoodies, it's amazing. I mean, I... I made the joke to Stuart the other day. I think Hinterlands has sold more hoodies and T-shirts than, like, Planet Hollywood or Hard Rock Cafe uh, in the last month or two. Uh, we, somebody amazing. sent us a link. A Chinese company, like, posted our T-shirt, and it was, like, oh, the neighborhood bar. And I'm like, and it's, like, the same I price. That. I think our T-shirt is higher quality, so don't buy it from them. I love that. It only took a couple of weeks for the Chinese yeah. to have a knockoff. I knockoff hinterland, like shirt. Yeah, yeah. on Church Avenue in Brooklyn. <laughs> like I'm like, I wonder what other like do they have? They, you know, they don't have. Um, what are I can't even think of a famous bar right now. But even um, oh, yeah, like, like Freddy's is more famous than Hinterland. <laughs> um, or you know where Adrian worked, or you know. I think I think that some algorithm or whatever yeah, online maybe. saw how much action you guys yeah, were getting. Yeah, maybe that's it. And it's some, crazy. you know, some in, you know industrious young Chinese T-shirt maker was like, <laughs> I want in on some of that I action. Know. What's this Hinterland's bar doing? <laughs> Do numbers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, so here's here's one of my last questions. Um, but we have we have more to to cover. But sure. it was, how much do you love being my partner? <laughs> be honest I, not too honest I love Charlene Wellington I want the world to know that and I love her handsome talented husband Stuart I, uh, I lucked out with you guys listen I've never, I've never met a, a harder working person like yourself you're doing everything you can like I just said to keep the lights on and it's working and God bless you for it and uh, no we haven't We've been pretty good, right? We've been pretty good. I, think I don't we've think we've ever good. had any arguments, right? Yeah. I mean, I knew I knew from the beginning that that you know, um, Hinterlands, Hinterlands is your it's your jam. You know, you needed you needed investors as all bar people do. Yeah. And I'm happy to help out whenever I can, but but you guys, it's it's your joint. You know. I mean, and I'm you've a done tough, wonders with it. It's great. I'm a people tough uh, person. You are very please. Tough. I'm a tough you person. You are very please. tough. But we met, <laughs> I think we both met on two-ply toilet paper. We both, once yeah, we knew that we were on the same page with that. Yeah, we were on the same, we page, on the same page with two-ply toilet paper. There was a wink, there was like a, a nod of appreciation, and we were off and running. We I can think. never, we, we can't mm, make our yeah. customers use one ply. First of all, they're just going to use twice as much. <laughs> it was the first run to Jetro, which is, for those of you who don't know, the, uh, the restaurant supply, bar supply place that everybody mm-hmm. suffers through to, uh, to get whatever they need uh, in a pinch. And uh, we were buying the first... The first week's business of supplies, and we bought the giant. I bought the giant box of toilet paper, and Charlene immediately went to my car to like read to make sure it was two ply uh-huh. and not one ply. And I said, "Of course, I would get two ply." You think that's something we would have hashed out before we signed the contract? Yeah, it's but like, we're we're rational. It's like finding out if somebody wants to have kids before you get married. Like, yeah. what kind of toilet paper? But both of, both you and I have been on this earth long enough to know. Yep. Nobody wants be. a finger to poke through the other side nope, of that stuff. Not, you need that not, extra. Not pre-COVID, not post-COVID. You need that extra wall of protection. <laughs> anyway, no, but anyway. over the years, but, but, and, uh, you know, no, I, I, I've come to understand you, you know. All You're right. a quality lady. You like quality <laughs> items, too. When I, when I go to Jet Show, she's I mean, always like, don't buy the cheapest. Don't buy the buy. cheapest. Don't buy the most expensive. Buy, like. The second most expensive. That's what, and that's what, that's what Donald, my partner at Freddy's, does with like, like DVD players. He's like, if you go to Best Buy, don't buy the twenty dollar one. Yeah. But don't buy the hundred dollar one. Yeah. Buy the forty dollar one. There you go. It won't. But no, you're right. And yeah, we're not talking anything big. We're talking about like cheese or or yeah. or whatever. Bacon, cheese. Yeah, yeah exactly. Lemons. But I hear you. Stuff. You know, and that's that speaks to your, that speaks to you, <laughs> quality lady. No, well, we, we, I think we've had a, I think we've had a good run, and I hope I it continues. We just run. everyone in this bar world has to hold on. Yeah. If, if you haven't had to cash out already, 
My heart hold goes on. out to every one of you, the people hold I don't on. know out in bar world. My heart goes out to you. Just hold on and hope that we get something from the bozos in Washington. <laughs> Pass another stimulus check. Yeah, seriously. Um, so we have a, another, another segment on the show, Uh-oh. and it's called You Won't Believe the Fucking Day I Had. And <laughs> I thought it was going to be guess my weight and, uh, and COVID. I put no. on the COVID pounds and I don't no. want to, I don't want to embarrass uh, yes, myself. Not everybody yeah. lost weight during COVID like Stuart did. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, testing, I'm testing items for a new menu for a bar I'm trying to open. I mean, I, I, I have to make sandwiches every day and I'm trying to stay low carb and it's <clears> impossible because I have to taste all the sandwiches. That's why they all come with a bite taken out of them. So. And that classic idea, you know, the, the classic, you know, the classic image of the Jewish, the Jewish grandma, the Jewish mother feeding you That's for, you know, me. always feeding Eat. you. S S. My mother was the closest thing to that without being Jewish. Uh, so we grew up like you feed your anxieties, which I have many of these days because of COVID. Are you of Irish descent? I have a little bit of Irish in me. A little bit of German. I'm German, Irish, and French. Yeah. Okay. I, I believe ancestry. Because I feel like it's told. like Jewish, Italian, Irish is like eat. Yes. Eat. You're right. So, yeah. You're right. Germans aren't known for their uh, their comfort cuisine. <laughs> I mean, I like, I like sausage. And... I mean, S. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah, sausage. <laughs> Eat. Um, so, yes. So, we have the segment, You Won't Believe the Fucking Day I Had, and I encourage listeners to write in and tell me little stories, and this is to replace the one-on-one that I am used to having as a bartender when people come in and they sit down and they order a drink and they say, you won't believe the fucking day I had. So I'm going to go first and then um, you'll tell me a story and then I'll read read stories from listeners. So, um, dear friends, (laughs) you won't believe the fucking day I had. Um, Yesterday afternoon, I came into work um... I came in early to do some food prep. I was in the little kitchen area that we have that's behind the bar. And I was cutting tomatoes and chopping lettuce. And I heard a little noise from the front of the bar area near the door. Uh-oh. Um, yeah. I, I didn't pay it any mind. It was just like I heard a noise and then I didn't hear it again. And sometimes people walk by and they... they walk across our cellar door and that makes a noise and there's usually a line of people in um for the coffee shop next door so i didn't you know sometimes they tap on the glass so i didn't really i like looked and then i went back to what i was doing and then it was about an hour later the bar was open for business uh jamie was here working with me the door was closed and she saw a pigeon walking to the door (laughs) and flapping its wings and apparently that pigeon had been in here all night so she screamed I came around and we scared it and it went back under the table where it was hiding Uh so um and this is not the first time that something like that has happened on a Saturday afternoon with me and Jamie so I came around I looked at the pigeon and it was a baby pigeon and I was like come on pigeon come on out And I'm looking at it, and it's, you know, looking at me, and it's like, no, 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 I'm not coming out. And so I went, and I got some bread, and I tried to make a little Hansel and Gretel, like, bread bread trail to get it to go out. And it wasn't working. Um, And then Stuart came in, and I was like, Stuart, you're not going to fucking believe it. We got another pigeon. And so Stuart's like, get the broom. So I go downstairs, I get the broom, and he's going to, like, gently, you know, sweep it. So it goes out the front door. So we get the broom. He does it pretty quickly because now, you know, this is not the first time he's had to do that. Gets the, uh, the pigeon out the door. And the pigeon walked into the street and got hit by a car. Oh. You didn't tell me this story. No, I didn't tell you the story. I saved it for now. Oh. <laughs> What a kick in the crotch. It was so sad. Yes. I didn't see it happen. All I did was I could hear Jamie and Stuart going, oh, no, oh, no, oh, no. Ah! Uh, oh, 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 man. It was so sad. Well, do you try to tell yourself that maybe it was, you know, rabid or diseased yes. or weak yeah. or something? Or? I, 
I think we're going to tell ourselves that maybe the mommy pigeon threw it out of the nest because it was sick. Okay. And that I would like another one, yes. So it was a smaller, it was a smaller. It was small. A small little baby. And the pigeon. sad part uh, is like, we made eye contact a few times, you know, yeah. like I had psst at it. We were on, so you know, you, we were psst friends. You put it, you, you expelled it from the warmth and comfort of the inside. I did. Out under the street and I pushed mean, it into oncoming traffic. I feel like the health department frowns upon having a bar pigeon. You can't have <laughs> pigeons. No, I understand that. You'd be, you'd be fine if the health department came in, but did you have to push it directly into traffic? Um, we'll have to ask Stuart <laughs> if we had to. <laughs> I'm push sure it he directly. didn't mean to do that. No, that's, he didn't. That's, Apparently, like first it got hit by a bicycle, then it got hit by a car. It was a whole, it was a whole thing. It was a whole thing. So, that's sad. Should I have done a like animal cruelty content warning before I? Uh, maybe I'll have to throw one in there before we. Um, so, um, however, I encourage people to send us happy stories as well as bad stories. <laughs> so Matt, how was your day? <laughs> well, I mean, it, you know, I'm thinking when, when you threw out that this segment, I'm thinking about you know I could go, I could sit down and think about my 26, seven years of bartending and 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 come up with with some horrible, horrible tales. But I don't think I want to. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't want to go. I don't. I don't want to go too dark. Like I've had people die. Uh, uh, well, yeah, let's not go that. Let's not. Yeah, let's not go. I've had people die. Bird, bird death is in other bars. <laughs> we're, we're not going to uh, talk above, about that. Above the bar, you know, people people go into, you know, fits. Uh, I've had, um, oh my goodness, flooding, massive flooding that you have to wade through, and you know, some of it's sewer water, some of it's you know, another, and uh, terrible stuff. Um, but I guess what I'd touch on is just what we're going through now what every owner and manager is going through and just trying to trying to keep the bar alive and trying to keep the place stocked having limited funds to do it mm. trying to figure out what people want you know it's getting colder for instance like do they want hot cider do they want you know coffee drinks yeah. um and trying to grab that stock. Um, I guess what I bring up is, is this past week, as Charlene knows, the search, the search for cinnamon sticks. The search for cinnamon sticks. I mean, <laughs> what people have to understand out there is, you know, there's 20,000 bars in New York City right now trying to stay alive in the cold weather. And, you know, 18,500 of those bars decided, let's all have hot cider or hot toddies or mm -hmm. hot drinks because people have to sit outside largely. Yeah. Um, so... You know, with your hot totter or your hot cider, you want cinnamon sticks, and uh, and you just couldn't find them anywhere. Usually, you know, normal times, you can find them all the time at your local supplier, supermarket. Couldn't find them anywhere. You can find cinnamon powder. Those aren't good enough. You want the stick. you, you got to have the stick. And it's wasteful because each cider gets a whole cinnamon stick. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I was, when you couldn't find them, I was taking a scissors <laughs> and cutting the cinnamon stick the long way. I love it. So we, I was rationing the cinnamon sticks. Rationing cinnamon sticks. Um, That's what it's become, people. You know oh, my goodness. So I ran around everywhere uh, the other day because I wanted to make Charlene happy. Because a happy Charlene. That's, that's, I mean, let's be honest. That's kind of how our partnership works. Happy wife, happy life. It's happy Charlene, happy life. So um, I tried everywhere. Feels. No, but, uh, but honestly, I wanted, I wanted us to, to be flush yeah. with cinnamon sticks. I couldn't find them. them anywhere. I went to supermarket. I went to Jetro. No, supermarkets. No. Everywhere I could find them. And then I went back to Jetro to get something else from my other bar. And I saw this guy. And he had his cart, a Jetro cart. He was online with me. And he had a million, he had a giant bag of cinnamon sticks. And I said, where did you get those? Because usually they keep and them. And he wouldn't in the, tell you. They usually keep them in the spice aisle. There was yeah. a language barrier. Yeah. I think he was working. He was he was a Latino. He was working for, you know, someone obviously picking up supplies, and mm -hmm. uh, he couldn't tell me. But he pointed, and he pointed to where the onions and potatoes are That's in Jetro. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's never happened before. Ridiculous. So the whole time when I was pulling my hair out trying to find cinnamon sticks, they were over there by the onions and potatoes, and they should have been in the spice aisle where they normally are on any other given week. Anyway. Jetro is, is tricky because um, they like to reorganize where they keep things yep. on like a monthly basis. And there's no rhyme or reason to it. Yep. And you just have to like figure out where they moved it to. And if you're lucky, you can find an employee that's not on a forklift and be like, hey, 
Where'd this go? And maybe they'll tell you. Yes. Or they don't know. Or they don't know. Or they won't answer. Yeah. Or they'll not, they'll just turn around and walk away. You have to kind of go around with like those little mini bird watcher binoculars. You have to look up above the aisles and see if it's stacked. And if you can find it stacked, then you can call a guy over with a forklift and say, I can see it. It's right there above me, but I can't get at it. And then he'll do it for you. Yeah. He will. Um, but but I guess that's what I'm getting at is just all the supplies that every other bar is looking mm-hmm. for, you know, everywhere is out of. So uh, it's been tough. And when you find it, you've learned to kind of, if you have the budget for it, you've learned to kind of buy extra, like gloves. We all know like yes. the, all the PPP is... supplies. Uh, well, there's a guy that shows up the day the gloves are delivered and just buys all of them and then he sells them in the street for, for twice the it's am- it's amazing, and it's it's really it's really difficult. I don't know to how they spend can do one hundred and fifty dollars on a box of gloves, and we go through. I mean, I realize we go through a case every two weeks. Yeah, and I realize it's supply and demand, and I realize the demand is huge because every place has to have but gloves. They shouldn't let somebody just buy all of them the day they get delivered. That seems. Jetro says you can only buy two cases per customer, but it's just Nobody like locusts. They put down one pallet and it's gone. I mean, yeah. they get a million customers a day. Yeah. But uh, I can't understand how they can gouge you. I mean, gloves used to be $30 a case. Now yeah. they're $100 a case for latex gloves. I don't understand how they can do that. Oh, that's legal, but whatever. Whatever. We're sticking in there. So, yeah, it's just about that. Keeping supplies, you know, limited supplies uh, in stock so that, you know, you can keep whatever customers you can get, you know. That's yeah. basically the, when I get home, I tell my partner, you know, talking about your segment what a day I've had or you won't believe the day I had that's what it is it's just running around running around running around yes um. and for me not having to go to Jetro um, <laughs> is, is one of the greatest I'm things that ever I, happened I to me do. that's my contribution folks to handle to, it <laughs> I used to have to go every week and I used to have to go by myself and I couldn't find I a parking that. space and I had to get a cart and nobody would help me unload the boxes and um, so not that, not yeah. going to Jetro is, is I know that. Um, I got I got one letter from a listener. I guess it's not a listener yet, but it's a soon to be listener because okay. we haven't um, and so I'm gonna read this letter and it's um, it I we have a little format. So here we go. This is a letter from JJ. We're doing initials. JJ. JJ writes, Dear the owner, I'm a teacher at a community college in Texas. I love, love my job. I get to talk poetry and books all the time, and my students. This has been a tricky year going all online halfway through spring semester, especially difficult for the students we serve, many who don't have internet at home because they can't afford it. Uh, Lots of country, no internet life, etc., which has been tricky. And I'm trying to just get through it while still helping my students learn. I went to Zoom lectures, and maybe the third time I Zoomed for my class, I got dick-bombed. Whoa. (laughs) A student, I think, they joined late and didn't have a name used for their background, a picture of Thanos with a big old dick hanging out. (laughs) Thanos' dick. It was awkward for me as I was trying to teach and mark a student who jumped on late. It threw me off in the middle of us talking Hamlet's to be or not to be speech. (laughs) (laughs) And then, (laughs) pics of screenshots from the lecture. It was this picture, apparently. So now, I've gotten dick-bombed by JJ. (laughs) And I'm going to share with you. I want to see Thanos' penis. Look at this. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) That kid. See, listen. (laughs) So... You know. What's his prediction? Is he asking you what he should do, or he just wants uh, to share it? Share the, the. I'm not. I'm not sure. There's no kind um, of what should I do. There was not a lot of what can I do, but I thought this letter was great because, um, she was. I don't even know. Um, I'll, I won't. I won't. I used a pronoun, but I don't even know if the if the sender was upset by the by the dick bombing or just wanted to share a funny thing that happened. The only um, thing. But, but I feel like um, passing it along, passing the dick bomb along to, to me is yes. like cathartic in some kind of way. <laughs> the only thing, listen, I was, I, was, I was voted, you can look it up, folks, if you can get a Cohasset, Massachusetts 1989 yearbook, 
you'll see that I was voted oh. class clown, uh, and uh, I was always a joker, so I'm in full support of the student. <laughs> the only thing I will say is, I mean, listen, this is college, it isn't high school. I get, oh, we're yes, all, we're all right. adults, we're all adults here, community you know, there, there should be a, yeah, community college. Okay. The only thing I will say <laughs> is that it would have been better if Thanos' penis had a few infinity stones, like pressed into yes. it. Like kind of set into the set into the <laughs> shaft of the penis. That would have been awesome. Or <laughs> But without the infinity stones. Or if it's it was kinda... like Edward Scissor penis and there are five <laughs> That was <laughs> That's exactly. actually a, a porn. A porno? Porn? See, I don't know how to say porn. You're you're there's right a, about the Edward Scissor there's penis. There's a pornographic movie called Edward Scissor Penis that I heard about um you know, like whenever it came out in my in my younger days, I heard about and it, right, Charlene, from a friend. I thought told me. it was going to be a hand with five penises on it, but apparently it, it was, was that penis. each hand is a penis, and he can't pick anything up unless he's turned on because they're flaccid. That's kind of brilliant too. <laughs> so like somebody thought just, about that. Somebody thought about it, and um, I I'm, was <laughs> I was a little bit upset that it wasn't you know. Five penises on each hand. You know when I saw that movie for the first time was at Lucky Thirteen for the first time. For the yeah, it was they were showing it at Lucky Thirteen, uh, the old location. I had no idea. To, well, no, you know, I, you know, vaguely I remember hearing <laughs> that. You know, because you always hear the, the the play on yeah titles with porn <laughs> with the porn titles. But I thought I, I've never heard anything about it. I would have thought that they they found some freak. <laughs> <laughs> some, some some mutant yeah, yeah. whose penis split like down the down oh, the middle. Oh, and you could cut like things scissors. with it. Well, I don't know if you could cut things with it, but it just it just it just it split like a scissors down the middle. Okay. But you're telling me he had he, he had, had ten flaccid little penises. No, no, two. I I imagined he would have ten. <laughs> but then when it when I saw the movie because I had my I think my friends and I had talked about this movie for years before I had ever seen it. And then we showed up at Lucky 13 and they had it on. And I was like, oh man, I, I've always wondered about this movie. And then it was like the two, like flat, and he couldn't, he couldn't pick anything up. It it's would kind just of, it's drop kind of, out of his hand. It's kind of interesting to have the discussion about what people thought. Because obviously I thought something different. You thought something yeah. different. It's almost like that, you know, I know he's, I know he's uh, been blacklisted a bit, but... Uh, Louis C.K. had that skit about like where he's driving on the highway and somebody said, you know, he cut him off and the guy said, go suck a bag of dicks. And, and his, whole, his whole thing is wondering, what does a bag of dicks look like? Is it like baguettes? Oh. Like, do they stick out of the bag? Is it like chicken breasts? They're all kind of like goopy and yeah, hanging in yeah. so, so it's kind of like that. Like wondering what, without seeing Edward Scissor Penis. Penis hands. Penis hands. Scissor Penis is a completely different movie. What, uh, what, I think Scissor know? Penis what is... Man, what you were thinking, where the guy's penis splits in half and becomes a scissors. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's interesting. Yeah. What manifestation would you think the penis or the hands would take without seeing the film first? So, okay, but you so, saw it. So then I guess the question is, do we have any advice for JJ? <laughs> yeah, it didn't... It, it I, seemed like it was more of a sharing thing. It was thing. more of a sharing thing, He which wasn't is really good. asking advice. It's really good. I... I'm happy. This this is what I want. I want sharing. Yeah. You know. My points would be. Um, uh, I think he he's brilliant, and uh-huh. kind of and kind of awesome, and then whatever. He's he's. Uh, we're all adults. It's community college. I guess if you're a teacher, you're supposed to like. Yes. You're Re- supposed to be like, oh, nice penis. Anyway. Yeah. Right. You can't get. You can't react too much. Yeah. Don't let it fluster you. Can't, you. you can't get. Yeah. You'd be like, oh yeah, like. Like that tiny dick? Anyway, what was I saying? But you know how kids are. <laughs> if he doesn't say anything, then the kids are going to think they have a longer leash. And then they're going to try gonna bigger and bigger There's going to be Spider-Man's penis. Yeah. You're going to have Galactus's penis. You're now I'm like, penises. does Spider-Man's penis, penis shoot webs? I can't be the first person to We can't to ask go there. That. This seems more like a podcast. That's, that's a podcast about for wondering nerdier. about penis infirmities <laughs> yes. uh, than yes. it is about Let's bar go. things. We back, to, back to the, the bar, the bar <laughs> stuff. So, so um, if you have any stories that you want to share with us, uh, you can send your stories into. Let me let me not get this wrong because I got it wrong in Twitter. Um, our own email address. I know the owner podcast at Gmail. 
Um, so send me your interesting stories about your day, and we'll discuss them. Maybe we'll give you advice. Maybe we'll just, you know, talk about them. Who knows? Um, and Was um, I the first one? You were the first one. Yeah. I was the first one? Well, Stuart was my first guest, and you were He was like second. a tester. He, well, yes. I was the first official. You're the first official guest where I at, did all the interviews. Now, because I'm always kind of uh, paranoid, yeah. I could take that one of two ways. I could take that as an honor that you would want me to be the first guest, or, or maybe I'm the second tester. Before, the second you, be, before you really get into the people you really want on the show. I mean, I have to pay the editor either way, so I'm going to use it. Okay. <laughs> All right, and there's no telling. You might not play them in order, right? The shows. There's no telling. Uh, they, they yeah, might there's no telling. That's true. Okay. I'll probably play them in order, though. Right. Um, so speaking of the editor, I would like to thank Alex Smith um, for editing the podcast and for making the intro music. I'm very excited about it. Um, and if you want to find Alex Smith, I gotta, I gotta look on my phone so I don't get it wrong. If you want to find Alex Smith, you can um, look up Hal Dottie or follow Lydia Burrell on Twitter. Um, if you want to uh, go to Freddy's. Freddy's. Freddy's Bar is Freddy's on. Uh, Freddy'sBar.com. You can look us up and see what we're all about. Um, you can come to Hinterlands. Hinterlands! Church Avenue, 739 Church Avenue. You can go to Minnie's, um, 885 4th Avenue. You can support us by buying t-shirts or sweatshirts. And you are welcome to leave us a tip on Venmo at hinterlandsbar at gmail.com. Um, do we have anything else to promote? Oh, and you can listen to my husband's podcast. Yes! The Flophouse. Um, and I think... I think that's the end. I think we did it. This has been... Um, Yay! I Know the Owner. I'm Charlene Wellington. This is my guest. I've been Matthew Kuhn. And uh, thanks and good night. I had a blast. I love you, Charlene. I love you too, Matt. Boom! <laughs>